Okay, party people. Welcome back to the Anxiety Book Club. This is episode 21. Can you believe it? 21 episodes means 21 months, almost two years we've been at this project. And it has really been a very rewarding and interesting project for me. I don't think I have pursued a personal project this steadily and for this long, really ever. So, you know, kudos to us as a community talking about hard things, destigmatizing mental health and having some fun along the way. So this month, the month of May 2021, I don't have a guest. It's been a pretty busy month. I moved and I'm now sort of just picking the pieces up of my life. But I am very excited about the next three to four guests, which you'll hear about soon. And I have something interesting to share with you today that I think has the potential to be actually very helpful. So today's episode is just going to be me. It's, it's going to be on the briefer side, but I want to talk to you about acronyms. All right. So those are the things that are made of letters. <clears throat> Normally you can pronounce it like SCUBA, if you didn't know, is an acronym. And each of the letters stands for something. Acronyms are used a lot in the books that I read to give you an easy way to remember some of the mental health strategies that you can employ when something hard is happening. Now, I want to share with you today three acronyms that I'm I'm fond of. The first acronym is DARE, D-A-R-E, by a guy named Barry McDonough. He's somewhere from somewhere in the UK, and he's written a book called DARE, The New Way to End Anxiety and Stop Panic Attacks. I really like this book. This was probably the book that started the podcast. And I've tried to have Barry on many times, and uh, I guess he's a busy guy, but he really made a tremendous contribution to my life and I think to anxiety sufferers everywhere because he really did his homework and he really distilled all of that work into a pretty nifty a nifty a- acronym that I actually have written on a business card that I keep in my wallet and has definitely helped me. So I kind of want to just take you through the steps of it to see if maybe it'll be useful for you to employ in your own lives. So imagine you're somewhere having a hard time. Maybe anxiety is coming up. That's what DARE is specifically meant for. Also panic attacks. And you need to do something. Uh, We all have strategies for not feeling hard things, whether that's eating too much, watching TV, uh, calling a dear friend, going for a walk, doing some exercise. There's nothing wrong, really, with any of these things. I think it's fine for you to comfort eat every once in a while or numb out with a TV show or movie. Why not? Um, You get to decide when those things, doing those things is too much. But anyways, the D stands for diffuse. So diffuse is about questioning the catastrophic nature of the thoughts. So I have a lot of anxiety about making mistakes. So, for example, my first night in my new apartment, I had a lot of fear that it wasn't the right place or I hadn't made the right decision and lots of what-ifs came up. You know, what if I chose the wrong place? What if this means I'm unhappy? 
What if I can't sleep? You know, what if I just have a really bad time? Diffuse encourages us to say, so what? To these what if questions. So so what if uh, I've made a wrong decision? Well, I can make new ones and better ones in the future. What if I don't sleep tonight? Well, I'm sure eventually my body will get tired enough at some point for me to actually lay down. You know, what if I don't like the people that I live with? Well, then I'll experience some feelings. Feelings of um, distrust or upsetness or fear. But those, like all feelings, they go away. So Diffuse, I think, really invites a skeptical attitude towards the what-ifs that are being prompted by the anxiety. Um, And I should say that of the three acronyms, DARE is kind of the most antagonistic, I would say. You really pit it against your anxiety and sort of trying to dominate it and sort of own it, um, which is a little more than the other acronyms, but I like it. So it really it really tries to put you in the driver's seat and to give you agency over the thoughts, the racing thoughts and the feelings that you're having. So that's step one, diffuse. Step two is allow. And this A acronym letter, allow, um, you'll find something pretty similar in the other acronyms. And it's, you know, taps into this core encouragement from like the mindfulness or the Buddhist community, which is to allow what is currently happening. This can get mistaken a lot. A lot of people at first, and we've talked about this many times on the podcast, might think that allowing or accepting is the same as resignation, which is to say that if something is in your life that is in support of you, oh, you know, the Buddha or Barry McDonough says, I just need to allow it. That's really missing the mark here. Allowing is about allowing whatever your current experience is. Why would you do that? Well, one reason is it's happening. You know, you're having anxiety, you're having intrusive, unwanted thoughts, you're feeling fear, your chest is tight. You know, you've got a headache coming on, you know, your neck feels really tight, you're short of breath. None of these things are pleasant, but the fact is they're happening. And it's, it sounds pretty counterintuitive or maybe intuitive, but it is very magical when you just take a breath and you allow them to be there, which is to say, you know, you're not looking uh, furtively across the room trying to solve whatever problem your brain and your body are convincing you need addressing. So this is an encouragement to become comfortable with the uncomfortable. So if we go back to my example of being in a new space, being unsure about my decision, allow would encourage me to realize what's going on and and to sit with it. One one phrase that you can repeat to yourself, and this comes from the book, is I accept and allow this anxious feeling. I accept and allow this anxious feeling. There's this idea that by acceptance we can sort of get off the ride. We can stop the cycle of of panic and fear and what if, which seems to be fueled in some kind of loop by our striving to get rid of the feelings. So you get this sort of Mr. Miyagi encouragement to just allow the feelings to be there, which is hard because 
Normally when we have problems, we fix it. But in this situation, this is how you fix it. You teach your body that what's going on is not a problem. It's a feeling, a temporary feeling, and it's really hard, and it's really uncomfortable. But the good news is they all change, and they all leave, and they all stop eventually. So that's what allow is. It's about allowing your current experience. Now, number three, I think, is really cool, the R1. And I haven't encountered this really anywhere else. And the encouragement in this case is to run toward run toward your anxiety. It's this sort of bring it on attitude. Like I was saying, the dare method is like a little bit antagonistic, pitting you against your anxiety. But you could ask for more. Thank you, ma'am. May I have another, you know? Oh, maybe I made the wrong decision. Maybe I won't sleep tonight. Maybe I won't like the people I live with. You know, bring it on. Give me more. Maybe I won't sleep for a week. Maybe I'll fight with these people and they'll play music really loudly and it'll be the the worst. When you start to own these what ifs and you say them in your voice instead of the, you know, the shrieks, the shrieks of your mind, it kind of turns the tables a little bit. All of a sudden you're daring your mind. And here I'm using the word dare. You're daring your mind to make you even more anxious. You could say to yourself, I'm excited by this feeling. Again, that comes from the book over and over again. It's really a very bold approach, but I think it's cool, right? Asking for more. And clearly, clearly, if you're asking for more of this thing that makes you uncomfortable, you're showing yourself and you're showing your mind and your brain that this is not actually dangerous. We're not asking you here to do something dangerous right? It is scary to drive too fast in a car and we're not asking you for more, you know, to drive even faster. That would be irrational and dangerous. What we're trying to teach the brain here is whatever you're fearing is not a true emergency and it's safe to ask for more of it. Okay, so that's step three. And then they all sort of end the same way. Um, And the fourth letter E here is engage. And that's about going back to your life. You've just been through a sort of anxious episode. You had all these intrusive thoughts. You did the D, the A, and the R. And now it's time to return to doing whatever it is you value or what you are doing uh, or were doing before these feelings and thoughts came on. You know, so if you were watching TV, you go back to watching TV. If you were cooking, you go back to cooking. If you were talking with a colleague, you go back to doing that. This is in my opinion, a bit of a hard needle to thread because the the criticism that it invites is that you're just distracting yourself. You know, like steps one through three, they didn't work. And now you're back in distraction land or numbing land. You're eating all the chocolate or watching all the TV. But there is some subtle difference here. And of course, you do have to go back to your life eventually, right? You can't just be doing dare all the time. So the E, the engage, the way you do that, the way you do that skillfully and healthfully and in a way that supports you, you might have to figure that part out for yourself. But I find that this acronym, DARE, D-A-R-E, diffuse, allow, run towards, engage, if you make a habit of it and you give yourself time to do it, it really can be very helpful. 
in dealing with the, the monkey mind or the anxiety monster or whatever it is you've named the beast inside your head. So I encourage you to, you know, write it down as I have on an acronym and use it backstage before a big improv show. Um, Because I did that once and it was helpful. Anyways, let's talk about the next acronym. The next acronym I bring you is called DEAF, D-E-A-F. And it's the ingenious construction of a former podcast guest, Sally Winston, and her co-author, Martin Seif. Um, who've written a number of books about anxiety, including one on reassurance seeking that I highly recommend, and was on the podcast uh, not too long ago. Yeah, that was episode 18. Uh, The book was called Needing to Know for Sure, and we talked a little bit about the acronym at the time, but since we're doing a special acronym episode, we're discussing it here again. You know, DEF's not too different from DARE, but maybe you guys can help me pick out the differences. So... D, uh, the first letter of deaf, and and they use the word deaf in a sort of cute way to uh, instruct us to be deaf to the the noisy cries of our anxious minds, to learn to become deaf to them, that is to not listen to them. So the D stands for distinguish, and in this case, distinguishing, the encouragement is to distinguish real danger from whatever distress you're you're currently experiencing. Now, for me, this D is so easy because I don't live in a civil war, you know? I'm not a paramedic. I don't really have true emergencies, you know, knock on wood. They don't occur much in my life. I'm sure I will face some in the future, and I'm sure they will be hard. But most of what my mind is upset about is not related to the loss of life or limb to me or loved ones. And so in this case, if I'm having some anxiety, let's say um, I met a girl that I really liked and I sent her a text and I never heard back from her, I might experience distress. But there is no coherent way in which that could be considered to be real danger, right? You know, I'll still go back to my cushy apartment and, uh, you know, lay on my bed and eat as much food as I want like it's... It's not going to hurt me. And so I think it's a good uh, first letter to distinguish this because maybe in the beginning when we're treating our anxiety, things really do feel like true emergencies as they do, you know, even today. Anyone with an anxiety problem knows that emergencies are commonplace. I think um, John Kabat-Zinn has a book called Full Catastrophe Living and he talks about people who move from one emergency to the next. So distinguish, you know, that's easy, right? What about the second one? E, embrace uncertainty. I think this is pretty similar to dares allow, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the example that I gave of not receiving the text back. Okay, maybe I'll never hear from this person again. Cool, it's fine, you know? I'm still here and I'm still okay. Maybe they're planning a big party for me. I mean, you know, we don't have to go off into the absurd, but the encouragement is to become comfortable with what is uncomfortable, which is not knowing. Okay. And what about A, avoid avoidance? This one is interesting because, you know, actually they, I think they define it in a couple different ways. It can either be avoid avoidance or avoid reassurance, depending on what your, your issues are. So some people who 
really don't like uncertainty, they'll, you know, they'll ping their friends, their families, they'll get on Dr. Google if they're having some kind of medical symptom and they'll just really try to get to the bottom of something. Oh, what does this mean? Does this person not like me? Oh, did I make the wrong choice? How can I know? Should I ask a million friends? Should I get on the internet? Should I figure out, you know, what is this noise I'm hearing in my head? Does it mean there's an insect in there crawling around eating my brain? That kind of behavior, which seeks to extinguish all doubts, is pretty unproductive. It's pretty productive if you want to continue this cycle of doubt, uncertainty, and reassurance seeking, but not not useful if you're trying to break free from that. And similarly, A here, avoid avoidance, I think is encouraging us not to numb out, not to avoid the feeling, uh, but perhaps even to lean into it. And then F is not so dissimilar from dares E. Here F is float and let time pass with the, the wise understanding that all thoughts and all feelings, they eventually fade, right? Whatever... Whatever thing feels so important in the moment is more than likely not going to feel important an hour from now, a day from now, a week from now. And I know that really helps me because I know future Josh will not have the same concerns as present Josh. And in some way that makes me feel better. So there's our second acronym, DEF, distinguishing the distress from a real emergency. That's the D, E, embrace uncertainty. A, avoid avoidance or reassurance. And finally, F, which is float and let the time pass. Okay, two acronyms done, and I've sort of saved the best for last. The one that I have come upon most recently is RAIN. And I think different therapists, mental health uh, people, advocates, mindfulness, meditation teachers maybe present this difficulty. And, and to be honest, I don't know where it originates. But the person that has made it most accessible for me is Tara or Tara Brock, who's a mindfulness teacher in the DC area. And this acronym has really, really helped me. And it's really, it's not just the acronym, honestly. It's the guided meditations that Tara has recorded and has freely distributed through uh, podcasts and on her website that really help us observe and and really take to heart the encouragements of the acronym, which I think the same could be said for, for DARE and DEF. Just DARE and DEF have been presented to me in book form, whereas RAIN has been presented to me in audio form and you know, uh, for 10, 15, 20, 30 minute meditations where you're doing rain during a difficult time has really helped me figure out what I'm so upset about and, and let it go. So let's talk a little bit about rain, um, which has some unique elements in it. And I really find effective. So I know I'm really selling it here. Um, so according to Tar Brock, rain is a practice of radical compassion. I'm not sure what the radical means, but I'm down with the compassion part. So let's say you're having a, a hard thing, a hard, a hard experience is, is occurring in your mind or in your life. So I'll, I'll add a little Josh twist in here. You, you know, I encourage you to sit down, you know, sit down, take a breath. I like to do this on a couple of pillows. 
but the first one, R, is recognize, okay? What is happening? What is the problem? What is my mind concerned about? It's sort of a noting practice, right? I am upset. I am having a hard time. My mind is concerned about the catastrophe of some choice I just made or worried about some future situation. Just taking stock and putting it on the table. What is the problem? What am I concerned about? So that's recognize. As, as Tara says in this PDF that I will link to in the show notes, this can be done with a simple mental whisper noting what you are most aware of. Thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Okay, that's the R. So, you know, to give an example of my situation where I've moved and I'm not sure if I made the right choice, just recognizing that that is what my brain is concerned about, recognizing that I'm having a moment of anxiety, recognizing that my body is tense. That's what R is for, which is, I think, a great way to get started, right? You don't, you can't solve a problem if you don't know what it is, if you don't understand it. And then A is, as I said, super common and available in some form in all these acronyms. And here it is allow again, allow the experience to be there just as it is. The thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the sensations, the tightness in the chest, you know, the tears in your eyes, the furrowed brow, the the painful jaw, you know, the, the cringing uh, forehead, whatever it is that's occurring, because it is occurring, not because you like it, but because it's there allowing it. Softening, if you can. Smiling, maybe. Allowing whatever experience you're having to be there because you're a human being and you're alive. And so, you know, it may not feel like this at the time, but it's a gift that you get to feel these things at all. You know, because, you know, who doesn't get to feel these things is dead people. <laughs> Which will, will be all of us, you know, at some point. But for the moment, here we are on planet Earth and we get to feel the good and the bad. And, you know, maybe we can be grateful for that. So something that uh, Tara encourages us in this case to say to ourselves might be to mentally whisper, it's okay, this belongs, or yes. Something that I've said to myself that seems to be helping is this too. This too, this pain, this anxiety, this belongs. You know, this is part of the grand experiment. I think this is a really powerful step. And I think what, what Tara is offering here in my opinion, beyond, and it might just be because she's such a nurturing voice and a really good spirit to have on your side when you're going through something hard, is she's just really giving you not just the acronym, but the insights and the questions and the way that you should speak to yourself to really help you soften and get through something hard. So she says that the A or the allow creates a pause that makes it possible to deepen attention. Okay. So we've done R and A, I, right? This is rain. We know how to spell rain. Investigate. Investigate with interest and care. This one is really cool. I like this a lot. Sometimes Tara will allow us or encourage us to let the story run a little bit, right? So get to the end of the catastrophe. Oh, I made the wrong choice. I'm living in a bad place. I'm not going to like my roommates. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm going to be unproductive at work. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to end up under a bridge. Right, so that's a little bit absurd, but it can be insightful to ask, what am I believing right now? Because sometimes the answer to that question will just clearly be unrealistic, which can give us a little bit of comfort. Investigate 
also asks us how this experience is showing up in the body, right? And this is sort of part of a noting practice, but but where where is the trauma uh, located? Where is the pain? What is going on? Is it in my head? Is it in my butt? You know, is it in my big toe? Locating, locating this this hurt. And I also found um, ever since we did the podcast on um, William James, how do I even know I'm anxious right now? How do I even know I'm up- upset right now? Sometimes, honestly, I can't answer the question. I look for it in my body. Oh, I guess my brow is a little furrowed, or I guess my neck is tight. Is that how I know that I'm anxious? When you think about it, or when I think about it, it really feels pretty funny. Not funny, haha, but like we seem to know these emotions in this sort of a priori sense, right? We just know we're mad. But if someone says, if an alien comes down and they ask you to have a beginner's mind and say, like, can you explain? How do you know you're mad? And another part of I for, for Tara is what does this vulnerable place want from me? What does it most need? You know, what, what do you need? What would, what would feel good? What would help? Which is a great transition into N, which I think is, is really unique. Um, and we don't see it in the other acronyms. And that's nurture. Nurture with self-compassion. This is the answer to the question, what do I need? Maybe it's a hug. You know, maybe it is to call a friend. Maybe it's just to, you know, rub your your heart in a soothing way. Tara says to try to get a sense for the wounded, the frightened, frightened or the hurting place inside you and offer it the care that it needs. Does it need you to tell yourself it's going to be okay? To forgive yourself maybe for some pain that you've caused yourself or others. Just to offer yourself a little bit of love. There's different ways to get at this. And, you know, the words that soothe you might be different from others, but it might be something like, I'm sorry, I love you, I'm here, it's not your fault, I care about this pain. I think Tara mentions that in one of the rain recordings that she attributes to Thich Nhat, Thich Nhat Hanh, I care about this suffering. And this is, this is really a good entryway into what I think the next podcast is going to be about, which is about compassion, really figuring out how we should talk to ourselves in order to get us through the hard stuff, in order to be more resilient. Because believe it or not, I think the way that we speak to ourselves, the way that our brain or our mind treats ourselves when things get hard, is just really important. And I'm saying it's really important because I think if you get it right, it's really effective. If you can have a friend living in some corner of your brain, you know, that's going to go a long way. So uh, there's kind of a bonus thing here where Tara encourages us after the rain to just notice how things are. Notice your presence and rest in the, quote, wakeful, tender space of awareness. Right? Maybe now you've found a little bit of distance or a little bit of peace. Maybe you've cried a lot. And uh, as you feel the tears drawing on your cheeks uh, and you and maybe a small smile gathering at your lips, you have a sense of okayness that you didn't have before. Or maybe not. And maybe the acronym didn't work and maybe you need to try again or try a different one or, um, you know, try something else. But uh, the RAIN acronym has helped me a lot, partially for anxiety, but also for for self-forgiveness and getting through 
some hard stuff. Whereas I think the dare has been really useful for the sort of pure anxiety, panic, panic stuff. So I'm going to include a bunch of links and notes to these books and podcast episodes and meditations where you can go to practice death, dare, and rain. And uh, I hope this is helpful. Um, I hope this helps. So have a great day. And I look forward to speaking with you again at some future date, probably in June. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you.